0: Like to hear the papa cheers And play the characters that you cheer
1: So join us as we
0: go, go, go And know the frame Today on Below the Frame, we'll be talking with one of the Sesame Street Muppet performers and my very talented friend, performer of Elizabeth, Lulu, Curly Bear, and of course Prairie Dawn, and so many others. Stephanie DeBruzzo is here. We'll also talk a bit about arm rods. So wave your arms wildly about. It's time to go below the frame. Go,
1: go, go below
0: the frame. Welcome to Below the Frame. Hello there. Uh, This is a unique podcast for fans of Sesame Street and the Disney Muppets made by some of the people who actually perform those characters that you love. I'm your host Matt Vogel and here we are. Episode one. It's exciting. I'm excited. Are you excited? Like I can't hear you, but I'm going to go with yes. You are excited. So, for those of you who are out there and who saw our Facebook live version of Below the Frame, this this version is going to be a little bit different. I mean, first of all, obviously, no video. It's it's just an audio version. It's an audio podcast, and uh, that can be a little bit difficult when you're talking about such a visual medium like television puppetry, but. That's okay. I'm not worried. So don't you fret. Don't you fret either, my friends. Um, Below the frame, uh, the podcast, is primarily an interview with someone in the Sesame Street and Disney Muppet universe. And we've got a lot of Muppet performers to talk to, writers, wranglers uh, who help the performers and maintain the puppets, uh, directors, all sorts of people. And we try to leave no stone Unturned. I promise you that it's a pretty in depth interview, and you're going to get to know the Muppet performer or the writer, Wrangler, whatever, a little bit better, which I love. I, I love sitting down with these people. All of them I consider uh, my friends. So I hope you enjoy this journey. And, and please, you know, I have to say this let me know what you think on our social media pages. You know the drill, yada, yada, yada. So let's start. Today, We are talking to an actor who's been seen on TV in shows like Scrubs and on stage in the Tony Award-winning Broadway musical Avenue Q, for which she was nominated for a Drama Desk and a Tony Award for Best Actress in a Musical, by the way. She's done tons of voiceover work in commercials and on shows like Sheep in the Big City, and she was a puppeteer on Ubi, on Wubbulous World of Dr. Seuss, Book of Pooh, Jack's Big Music Show, many more, and fans of Sesame Street will probably best know her as the performer of Prairie Dawn and Baby Bear's Sister Curly, but... Oh, she's done so much more. She plays Lulu, Google, uh, Super Grover's mommy, Cookie Monster's mommy, one of the Three Pigs, and hundreds and hundreds of others. And she she plays Gretel to my Hansel. And she was in the Adventures of Elmo and Grouchland as Grizzy. And she was also uh, my partner in crime on the live show for Below the Frame. She operated the camera. She helped flag questions. She basically helped me make sure the whole thing happened. In fact. She did way more than she should ever have done, and I am so grateful to her and so happy to be talking to my friend, the very talented, Stephanie DeBruzzo.
2: Very? I don't know. Very?
0: Yeah, you're very oh,
2: talented. That's nice of you, Matt.
0: Well, you know, I try to be nice.
2: You're very talented, too, so that means a lot coming from you, mister.
0: Oh, well, thank you very much. But I also try to be truthful, and I feel Aww. that that is a truthful statement. You are very talented. You are one of my favorite actors. Uh, you make the best acting choices. I just... I think you're fantastic.
2: Oh, we shouldn't have done this with video going. <laughs>
0: <laughs> okay, so I want to start at the beginning. Yeah. Like I, I know that you are from outside of Pittsburgh.
2: Yeah. Right.
0: Can you just tell me about growing up there? What was that like to grow up? What, where were where were you? What, it was, was the like town? the
2: suburbs of Pittsburgh. Technically the suburb was McMurray. Mm-hmm. And um yeah, it's about forty-five minutes outside of downtown Pittsburgh area. You know, it was it? I call it a little plastic bubble kind of suburbia. It was. It was very white. Um, very Pittsburgh has a lot of Italian, German, Polish, Irish immigrants, um, but then they also have very segregated neighborhoods. So there is a hmm. uh, for a long time, Squirrel Hill was the Jewish neighborhood. Uh, the Hill District and Beltsuver were the black neighborhoods, and. Um, you know, definitely the lower middle class upbringing. Uh, I was really lucky. I went to a good public school system that had a lot of arts and music opportunities. I could start taking like we had we had chorus and art and. Did
0: think, you do all those things when you were a kid? When you were little, growing up?
2: We went, uh, yeah, I mean, I remember singing, like singing was one of the first things I did, and and it was because I would listen to the Sesame Street records. I would listen to the Sesame Street albums. Yeah, my mom had a a portable GE turntable that sometimes we'd put in my room, and when my mom was pregnant with my sister, uh, when she went to the obstetrician and I was good, we'd go to the record store after, and I could get a Sesame Street album. So I would listen to the albums.
0: So was that your first... uh introduction to sesame street or were you watching sesame street and then you were like I also want to No, I was to them.
2: watching Sesame Street and it's just more like there are albums. Yes, I want anything <laughs> having to do with Sesame Street. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um Oh yeah, I was so, the same way. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, you when you're a fan of something, you you just you want it. Yes. And and mm-hmm. so I was always I had a little swing set in the backyard and I was always singing on the swing set, usually singing Sesame Street songs and yeah, and then I would uh listen to the albums and I would hold the record covers in my hand and I would like sit on my bed and just bounce up and down like I was dancing yeah. along and I now think that the bouncing up and down was me trying to be a muppet.
0: <laughs> like, so you didn't have puppets. It's very much the way
2: muppets dance.
0: Yeah. You don't have puppets. You right. didn't have puppets did when you were have, a kid. Was that even part of your awareness where you're like, oh, those are puppets no. and I want to do that? Or were you just enjoying it no. as a kid for what it was?
2: I, yeah, I just loved it as a kid. And I remember, and I learned how to read at a pretty early age um, because of Sesame Street and The Electric Company. And so I would read, you know, all these names. and But I remember, I mean, it was educational. I remember you'd see the word reprise, on these song titles, and I always thought it was pronounced reprise, because yeah. it's a surprise that the song comes back, so it <laughs> yes. made sense to me that it would be pronounced uh, reprise, but yes. um yeah, so being a puppeteer, I w- maybe I would see the occasional puppet show if it came to our elementary school, but it wasn't something I don't know that I liked Sesame Street because of the puppets. I mean, I loved the puppets. I loved the characters. I, you know, all of them. I I still don't have a favorite. What was it? I don't remember whether Craig or Jim Lewis used to say, all the Muppets together make one normal person.
0: <laughs>
2: so, I like and I think, I think the same thing applies. And maybe it was Jerry Jewell. That would make more sense. Um, yeah. I, I we'll think do some to-
0: fact checking.
2: Yeah, I think that I think that that also applies to the Sesame characters. There's something you can find to identify with in in all of them. Absolutely. Which is is the beauty of it. But I remember that I did want a Big Bird doll because those were out when we were kids and my mom couldn't find one. So she got me a Burt doll and apparently I was not happy about this. I, I, now Stephanie would love a Burt doll. But back then I think I was a little like, what do you mean freaking Burt? Yeah. And he had, you know, he had the the the, the vinyl or rubber head mm-hmm. and his hair was glued. So I would hold him by the hair and the hair started falling out. So eventually uh-huh. I had a bald Burt and I would chew on his fingers. I don't know if you've you've seen it, like the way the shape of those fingers, it's kind of like Oblong and and I could and they were hollow inside, so I could chew on it and it would squeak. <laughs> it would make like a squeaky sound. I remember that uh, very much. Having a bald Bert <laughs> because I was I was upset uh, that I could. But none have of this
0: none paper. of this ever brought you to puppetry or made you think about puppeteering or any of that. No, it was did, crazy. Did you Did you know when you were a kid? Were you like, but I, I want to be an actor, or did you know what you wanted to be?
2: I think I w- I didn't know what I wanted to be, but I was always performing to one extent or another. And when I was very little, I would, you know, I was the first grandchild. So I liked to get up and sing in front of everyone. And I, uh, but I was a shy kid too. I needed permission to want to perform. And when I was in elementary school and we would do elementary school plays, I did not often get cast. Like, They ran out of roles once before they got to me, so I had to make up my own once, or I'd get the smallest parts, or if we were doing a thing in class where we were reading plays, I would always be the narrator because I could read well, but I didn't want to be the narrator because I wanted to play a part. Like I knew even then I wanted to be something other than who I was. I get well. Yeah. I wanted to play something other than who I Absolute. was.
0: Absolutely, that seems to f- check out with a lot of performers, whether yeah. they're puppeteers or whether they're actors or or whatever they are.
2: Right. I mean, and I couldn't appreciate back then the power of a narrator being a storyteller. That wasn't, I wasn't sophisticated enough to to, to think in that regard. So right. that was why that hadn't occurred to me. But I was a little, I was a little ham. But at the same time. I didn't have aspirations to be a performer per se because I knew it was a ridiculous dream that only happened to other people. So I remember, you know, thinking maybe I'll go into advertising or maybe I'll go into business. You just assume you're going to make coffee for someone when you're a a little girl growing up in the seventies at some point.
0: And through high school, what were you doing? Were you performing or were you?
2: Yeah. High school, I started performing a lot more. Um, We had a great We had a great theater department at my public high school. We did five shows a year. We did a student-written Christmas show. We did a spring musical. We did small plays. We did a big play at the beginning of the year. So I had opportunities to either not get cast, get cast in the background, work on other departments, work in PR, paint sets, then eventually work my way up to become supporting roles, play leads. It was a great... It was an amazing experience. And even then I thought, yeah, but I mean, and I was doing forensics. um,
0: Yep. I did forensics too. Yeah.
2: I was doing mostly prose poetry. I, I, I was scared to do the dramatic and comedic readings because that even, as much as I wanted to do it, it seemed like, yeah, well, not you. Right. There was something about the... That's for the real actors. You're not so a real actor. So you didn't actor. see
0: yourself as a real actor, even though that's what you desperately wanted, but you just didn't think it was who you were.
2: I just didn't think that, well, it just didn't feel like it would happen to someone like me, for whatever reason that yeah. was. I would, every Saturday I was on a bus. It was great. I mean, it was so fun to go to other places. And it's, it's amazing we did that before cell phones. We would just sit in hallways waiting With nothing to do. (laughs) (laughs) Right.
0: Or if I I was one of the guys that was, uh, I had a a duet partner. Oh, did you? And he and I would just go through the script over and 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 over. Yeah. Ringing it of any uh, spontaneity and.
2: (laughs) But that's that's what that was. And you had nuns judging you and. Right. You know, you had, yeah, you had volunteer parents. it, It was so strange how subjective that all was. And yet. We took it so seriously as Absolutely. a marker of who we were as performers. Yes. Because it was, i you know, obviously I didn't do competitive sports in high school, so this was the closest thing to competitive sports I was going to do. You either won or lost. Right. And we didn't take into consideration that the three judges who are judging you in that room, one of them is someone's dad who's been working all week and maybe doesn't want to be there but got roped into it. Another person's a nun who may not like your face, (laughs) you know, (laughs) or the piece that you picked for whatever reason. And we took it so, I I took it to heart. If I won, I felt like an amazing, you know, it validated me as a human being. And if I lost, I felt like, well, then what am I doing on this planet?
0: Man, that's a lot of pressure to put on yourself just for going in and, you know, Having somebody because you're being judged, you're being judged by these three people, and what they say involved. Absolutely. (laughs) Yeah. Anyway, Uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna jump now to so from high school you went to Northwestern. Yeah. And what did you go to study?
2: I so because you're still not
0: going to be an actor. You're still you're not thinking that this is your thing.
2: The funny thing is, uh, in so my. After my junior year of high school, I had been accepted to the Pennsylvania Governor's School for the Arts, which was, it's no longer a thing. They, they defunded it, gosh, more than a decade ago, sadly. Mm. Um, they used to have Governor schools for science and arts and, and humanities. Um, and it was a really, that was a really competitive program. They took two people from every county in Pennsylvania uh, for for each program. They, the, the arts, they had visual arts, music, dance, theater, and um, it, was, it was six weeks. It was a full, free thing. Back then, it was at Bucknell University in the middle of nowhere, Pennsylvania. It was... And it was really method-heavy. Like, it was amazing. I found myself with a group of actors that I, uh, I... I loved it, but at the same time, I felt like, I'm not up to snuff, and I can't wrap my little 16-year-old mind around method. So if I can't get method, I probably should do something else. So... When I go in and I'm a rising senior in high school, I apply to Northwestern and because of forensics, I thought, well, okay, so maybe broadcast journalism. And when I go to fill out the application for Northwestern, I'm looking and there's the School of Communications, which has the radio TV film major, and there's the Medill School of Journalism, which is the famous Medill School of Journalism. I'm thinking, I don't want to write for newspapers. So let me major in radio, TV, film. It was the best mistake hmm. I ever made, because I didn't want to be in broadcast journalism, and I had never touched a camcorder in my life before. By the way, we had no <laughs> money; we didn't have cameras. Right. Uh, we were still working with a Kodak disc camera in 1989. That's oh. Um,
0: Google it, folks. If yeah, you don't Google know what it. That it's is. the
2: worst camera ever made. Oh. Um, yeah, yeah. Story for another time. Yeah. But. Um, I fell in love with production and editing and uh, made some of the best friends. And I, and I also started getting back into performing. I started acting in friends' student films. I was trying to run away from acting and going to Northwestern and being, I happened to live in this residential college where we had equipment in the dorm at a time long before you had a studio in your pocket like we do with the phones now. Right. So we'd be making videos at three in the morning and we we had equipment to do it with and and we were free to fail. The stakes were really low. We made crap. And it was great. I think But you that's, have to
0: do that. I think you have you to you'd gotta learn from it. You're probably not thinking it's crap when you're doing it.
2: No, no one sets out to do anything no. bad. No, nobody does. But we were just it was for us. It right. wasn't gonna go on YouTube. It wasn't gonna be shown. Because there in a was theater. no YouTube. Right. And there it, was nothing. it wasn't gonna be shown at a film festival. It, we were just gonna show it to ourselves. Right. So that freedom to do that, I think, is was imperative to to my growth as a as a as a creative mind and um and as a performer. And while I'm in college and starting to do production, you know, I'm I'm watching Muppets and Sesame Street and Bugs Bunny and Schoolhouse Rock, like that warm comfort blanket of nostalgia that everyone has when they're in college right. and now you know it's been a while I, I would watch Sesame when I would babysit but I really wasn't watching it and I'm watching it now and I'm thinking hey that guy that guy who does Grover wait he's also Fozzie and he's Bert and he's wait he's Miss Piggy wait wait oh and that guy Wait, he, Rolf, and Doctor Teeth, and Ernie, and like, you're starting to put together those performers, absolutely.
0: Which I started to do as well. You just, you start to go, oh, that's definitely Jerry. Yeah, that's also Jerry.
2: And then remembering those names from the back of the record albums and going, wait, Jerry Nelson. Looking at the credits, Jerry, oh, that guy, yeah. Because when I was really little and writing my stories in my head, they were being those characters that I wrote were being spoken by the Muppet performers. Yeah, like I wrote this little book. I still have this little picture of this little stick figure saying hi, hiya. I'm Rob, and in my head, it's Frank Oz's little boy voice. Oh my hi, gosh. hiya. I'm Rob. Like I'm a. Ma- Every time I would do that, those were the performers that I would cast in my head, without even knowing that that's what I was doing on a conscious level. Wow. Because those were the people that taught me about character, and now I'm able to see from a different viewpoint the stuff they're able to do and how, how varied their characters are. Because yes. I had tried to audition for some theater my freshman year, and that's when I learned about being typed out. You know, when you're uh, in high school, yeah. no one's going to say, well, you can't play that because you're too fat, thin, short, tall, this, that. Right. But in college, they do. Yes. And, and so then all of a sudden... And you know, I was really grappling with what I wanted to do. I remember my freshman year, like, well, I like writing. I don't want to be a writer. I like production, but I don't know if I want to be a director. I love singing, but I don't know if I want to pursue that. I was doing some improv for the first time. Oh, this is great. I was playing, you know, guitar. Oh, this is... But not anything that was... That I was so specialized in. In puppetry, this this particular style of puppetry, and I was always doing character voices too, and all the stuff I did in high school, I would always get the character roles. So these things were all sort of being tabulated up in my head, and all of a sudden, it just seemed as clear as day that being a Muppet performer combined all the things that I loved and and felt that I was good at, and it didn't matter what I looked like. And that was the key for me, to be able to say that's it.
0: But when was that in your college life? My
2: freshman year.
0: Your freshman year of college, you're freshman like, year I want to be of a puppeteer. College.
2: By the time I hit spring quarter of my freshman year, I knew that's what I wanted to do. And I had wow. a friend, he was, I'm trying to remember, I think he was a senior at the time. And he he had just come off of an internship at the Jim Henson Company. And when he was in New York... He stayed in New Jersey with his good friend Craig Shemin.
0: Uh huh. See, Craig had
2: also (laughs) lived in this dorm, and a lot of people, you know, had spoken highly of him because this dorm, these videos that we would make at three in the morning. We would keep showing these videos from years before we were there. Um, uh-huh. the, the seniors that I knew as a freshman were freshmen when Craig was an upperclassman. So they would tell the stories of those who came before and show the videos from those who came before. And well, they got so passed I, down
0: on a VHS tape. or They were I mean, in a that- little
2: library in a room, like we had our little CRC productions, yeah. and, yeah, they would just be hanging out and like, "Hey, let's watch this. Hey, this is wow. fun. So I'd heard Craig's name before I met him. So yeah, yeah my friend Chris um, had had intern, and, and my friend Chris, Craig had plied him with a bunch of Henson tapes when he was an intern. So that's how I got to see the Henson commercials reel, the Jimmy Dean shows, the Salmon Friends. I'd never seen those before. So he lent me, so I dubbed those VHSs. Because at the time, the only way you could see Muppets was to either rent the movies, or they had those Playhouse videos, The Best of the yeah, Muppet Show. I remember those, yeah. And, or watching Sesame Street. But there really wasn't a lot else out there. So I just ate up all this content. I didn't know any of this. And I remember telling Chris, I remember I was, I was editing, and it was late at night, and I said, he was the first person I ever told. I said, you know, I, I really think I want to try to become a Muppet performer. And he said... Well, you know, I'll be honest with you, your, your your chances are slim to none, and he was absolutely right. He's like, yeah, especially abs- as a woman. Yes. He's like, I especially mean, as a woman, your your chances are, are slim to none. It, I mean, I was going to work hard anyway to do it, but let's just say that was probably the best thing anybody could have said to me in that situation because he was absolutely right.
0: I, I just think it's remarkable that you could go from somebody that was like, yeah, I don't really, I don't know what I want to do, and be so bold. So, so bold as to go, that is some, the thing.
2: Some might say, stupid, because here's no, the well. here's the other little wrinkle to that story. And I had told myself, if I can't work for the Jim Henson company, if I can't work for Sesame Street, I don't know if I want to do this because they're the only ones. I didn't do it because I fell in love with the doll. I did it because I fell in love with the character work yeah. and the comedy. And the opportunities to do more as a performer than just meow, meow, meow. So I gave myself, you know, I I said, okay, I'm going to try this and see if I can do it. And if I can't, okay, then I'll do something else. Didn't know what that was going to be. Still don't know what that (laughs) would have been. I might have, thinking thinking back, I might have worked in a post-production house. Yeah. I think I like, I enjoyed post-production. I enjoyed editing.
0: Let me ask you this then. You you knew that you wanted to be a Muppet performer. Mm-hmm. So what is your first step then? I mean, I guess you're going you <laughs> to, you got to think like, well, I got to get, I, have a, <laughs> I, I need a puppet, a puppet. And I got to figure out what, what, what do they do? You know, I mean, that's what, I guess what anybody that wants to become a, a Muppet yeah. performer or a puppeteer kind of yeah. has to look back, look at the whole package and go, what is it technically and it's that so I need funny. to know?
2: I never, I think most people today would take out a notebook and say, you know, write a list. Things mm-hmm. I need to do. Yeah. I need to learn lip sync. Right. I need to learn how to work with a monitor. Because, oh, that was the other thing. One of the things on those tapes that Chris gave me was the um, Secrets of the Muppets episode of the Jim Henson Hour.
0: Yeah, I love that oh, episode. I love so,
2: it. So seeing behind the scenes of that was amazing. And then I also got the Of Muppets and Men book out of the Evanstead Public Library. So then I could see what it looked like below the frame. Right. And, oh, they wear their microphones that way. Okay. Oh, they work this way. Oh, they do this. Everything else, I basically learned by imitation. And what I started doing before I even built my first puppet, I would just practice lip sync all the time. And if I was on the plane going home... And I had my Walkman on, just to my side, sitting down. I would
0: just yep. lip sync. Very important lip sync. Uh, Stephanie, hang on just a second, because believe it or not, it's time for a word from our sponsor. Let me paint a picture for you. You're a puppet. You got arms, and you really want to gesticulate with them, but you can't do nothing, and they're all soggy and floppy-like. What are you going to do? Sounds like you need arm rods. Arm rods. They go in your little puppet hand, all snug-like, and then you can move your arms and stuff. Try one arm rod and move one arm, or try two arm rods and move
1: both your arms like nobody's business. Here's what some puppets say about arm rods. I didn't even know I needed arm rods. I just thought I wasn't meant to wave or lick my hand and slick back my hair like so many other cool puppets do. But then,
0: I tried just one arm rod and, wow, it changed my life. I mean, now I can wave. Uh, now I can lick my hand and slick back my hair, and and, and I can knock a thing off a table too. Well, I got two
2: arm rods. It took me a while to figure out how to use them both at the same time, but once I did, hoo-hoo! My arms, both of them, can move. <laughs> they can shake wildly about. They can almost pick something up. They can d- shake wildly about. It's the best thing since lip sync. Thanks, Arm Rods.
1: You'll be saying thanks a whole lot, too, when you get yourself Arm Rods. And uh, if you're looking for where to get them, I know a guy. Don't tell anybody. It's my Uncle Frank.
0: Arm Rods are not for use with live hands. Arm Rods will not allow a puppet to pick up something off a table, a low brick wall, or any other surface. Do not put Arm Rod in an eye as it will hurt. Consult your puppet doctor if you think Arm Rods might be right for you. And by you, I mean a puppet. Arm Rods. Forget about it. That's right. Today's episode of Below the Frame is brought to you by Arm Rods, a very important part of, uh, you know, a lot of puppets. Oh, excuse me.
1: Come in. Dad, are you busy? Yeah, Jack.
0: um, Come on in. Look, I'm recording my podcast. You're just doing a fake ad.
1: Fake ad? Why do you have fake ads? Can't you get real ads?
0: Well, I I mean, the point of the fake ads is to kind of, you know, bring up something that's important in puppetry and then talk about it in a minute.
1: Mm -hmm. Sure. So what's the fake ad about today? Arm rods. Hmm.
0: (laughs) Jack... Arm rods are a very important part of a lot of puppets. Puppets like uh, Elmo, Miss Piggy, Gonzo, Abby, Kermit the Frog, they all use arm rods to move their arms. So for those of you out there who want to be a puppeteer, which there aren't enough of them out there, using arm rods effectively is really essential to this art form. Arm rods are, of course, how some puppets, they move their arms. Not all, but some. And they're literally... Uh, rods coming out of the wrist of the pr- puppet that uh, the principal performer or sometimes an assist operates to move the arm. And when people first start out, they have a tendency to overuse the arm rods. They accentuate with them way too much. It's like the arm is moving on every word that the puppet is saying. And it's, it's one of those telltale signs of an inexperienced puppeteer. So I, I want to encourage you first to watch the pros. Go to YouTube, break out your DVDs, and watch bits from The Muppet Show and Sesame Street, and really focus on how Muppet performers use their arm rods. They they tend to use them sparingly, or or to uh, you know to point up something that they're talking about, or they they use them to help convey the emotion of the character. Uh, think of Kermit the Frog getting frustrated with Miss Piggy in The Muppet Show. His arms start to move a little bit more frenetically to show how frustrated he's being and uh, and how frustrated he's getting. And then, uh, you know, when you're working on your puppetry, try to keep those arm rods at a neutral spot on your puppet, usually around the waist of the puppet. And then, you know, uh, for example, say the alphabet and consciously only move the arms on a certain letter just as an accent to the letter or, or try a few different letters to accentuate. You know what I mean? And if you're uh, finding that it's hard not to move the arm rod, just drop it for a little while and, and take a step back. Maybe focus on your lip sync. And then when you feel more comfortable with the lip sync, add an arm rod back in. And, and it does take a lot of time and a lot of practice. But in the end, you want your audience to believe that these arms and the hands are real and they're coming from a real character and real emotion rather than, than feeling disjointed and moving around without purpose. You know what I mean? Um, so keep working at it. I'd like to thank Arm Rods for being a sponsor of Below the Frame.
1: Still, it's not a real ad. Jack, hmm? did you need something, by the way? Nope, just coming in because you told me
0: to. <laughs> Got it. Okay, bye. Bye, Jack. One,
2: two, three, four. Go, 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 go below the frame.
0: Okay, let's jump back in with Stephanie DeBruzzo. We were talking before the break about the things you need to know, the things you found out on your own, the pieces of the puppetry puzzle, from lip sync to character to where they wear their microphones. So whether you knew it or not, you were doing exactly what kind of what we tell people to do Yeah. if they're like, well, what do I do to become a puppeteer? Well, right. some, well some of it is just the technical part of lip syncing.
1: Yeah. And you and were doing
0: just, this right. on your and own. And then
2: watching and saying, oh, okay, so the neck of that puppet, that would be where the puppeteer's wrist would be. Mm-hmm. So if I want to make the puppet look like this, then I need to do this.
0: Yeah. You were looking – so you kind of started as this fan of mm-hmm. the show. And then once you had this epiphany – Mm-hmm. I'm going to call it an epiphany, Stephanie. It is.
2: It was very much an epiphany for Stephanie, yes.
0: And then you decided, this is what I want to do. Mm-hmm. Then you became – I mean, you just really started to – Yeah, I
2: would I would say that.
0: Observe the detail of not just being entertained by these characters, mm-hmm. but how are they doing this? What yeah. do they have to do? Which yeah. is a super important part, especially if you come at this as a fan. Right. Right? Yeah. Because I just want to sit and love the puppet stuff right. and laugh and, and enjoy,
2: right. but
0: to dissect it and to go, oh, when he when he turns his head, when when the puppet turns their head like that, that's a person's hand inside,
2: right? But doing I wasn't. Something. But I and I, and I'll say this in a way that you can understand. I didn't I didn't parse that out in a Dave Goals kind of way. Right? <laughs> do you know what I mean? Because yeah. I think he would say, if I turn it to this degree, where and I would just be yes. like, oh, they do this. So it looks like that.
0: <laughs> yeah. Well, that, I think it's the same thing. It's just, you know, you're, you're not doing it into but that. But it didn't that. seem
2: as clinical. It was weird. And, um, yeah, so I was just – I was learning by imitation. And I guess I got lucky because, well, A, I had access to equipment so that I could work with a monitor when I could. But it wasn't very often because I'd have to set up a little camera. Our dorm had a little camera and a little monitor. And I could go down to a room and, and, and work on that. Um, But I couldn't do it at home when I was on vacation because we didn't have any video equipment. I would do as much as I could in the mirror, but that only does so much. And I I, I suppose I was really lucky that I I remember that the monitor was a weird thing to learn, but I kind of got it.
0: Wow, you know what
2: I mean? Not right away, right? But I don't remember feeling like I'll never get this. You know, it was and it felt like. I don't know, for a while it started feeling just right. Like, oh, I can, okay, this is, I could do this. And what I, when I really started, but, but as, again, I was, I was more concerned about whether I could create anything that people would enjoy. And I remember thinking, when I finally did start building just these crappy little puppets and taking them out into the dorm suite and just showing my friends, and they would start talking to the puppet and not me, Yes. That's when I'm like, "Oh, there's something here," and they're not humoring me.
0: No, it's that belief. I mean, these are these are pretty much adults now, and yeah. they're buying into yeah. this little puppet on your hand. It's that uh, willing participation in this mm-hmm. uh, childhood innocence, mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. letting it go, and just being in that moment, uh, which is hard for people to do, but so much easier when you have a puppet on your hand and people yeah. somehow just engage with it.
2: Yeah. It surprised me because I, that wasn't what I was expecting. I'm, I'm trying to remember. And it's funny because one of the things that Craig has been doing in the last couple of months has been digitizing some of our old, um, DV tapes mm-hmm. and some of the things that are on there, stuff from college and actually stuff from the puppet stuff I was doing in college is on there. I was just watching some of it this morning and I'm half impressed, half mortified. At some of it, like, oh, that's not bad considering I've only done this a year.
0: You're still in your infancy for this, you know, in this profession that you're
2: And I didn't have anybody telling me do this, do this, don't do this. The one thing that my friend Chris was able to tell me, he told me about barge cement and he told me about quarter-inch foam, which I couldn't afford. (laughs) So I um Went to carpet stores and asked if they had any carpet padding remnants. And they said, oh, back in the dumpster. So i, I that's how I got the foam to build my puppets. And also people would give me foam from their like computer packaging. Mm-hmm. Back in the early 90s, I got some like really cool green foam and pink foam. Ooh. People would leave it at my door. Oh, that's... And these blocks, yeah. So yeah. I built some puppets out of that. Do you,
0: do you still have those puppets, perchance? I have one of them. Oh. What happened to the others?
2: They... They just, Unused, they just, well, they also they were shoved or? in a bag, so they yeah. kind of got misshapen. Yeah. But I do have one, and it's amazing. That carpet padding is still totally intact. There is no wow. toast on the, that at all. That's I mean, amazing. terrible.
0: I want to go back to Craig, though. Okay. Because we just kind of glossed over Craig. Yeah, yeah, so yeah. Craig Shemin, He your did husband, puppets
2: in college, too. He did And that's another thing that was inspiring. Really? Oh, but, I'll have to show you his video sometime. Yeah,
0: I would love to see it. So, So your friend Chris met Craig in yes. New York when he was doing an internship. And then yes. how did you meet Craig? When did that happen? Because he did go to Northwestern. He yeah. was a, a, an alumni of Northwestern. Did he come back into that? He did.
2: S- he did. Um, the uh, the Museum of Science and Industry in Chicago was having a Henson exhibit in 91 or 92, 90, end of 91, around Thanksgiving. And Craig had come to town because they were researching the Jim Henson, the works book. And Craig was helping work on that. And... He, you know, was coming to Chicago, so he was arranging to meet some of his friends. So my friend Chris and Derek, like a bunch of other people who knew him, was like, "Hey, Craig's coming to town. You got to meet Craig." So I did, and you know, nice guy, and everybody, everybody just held him in such high regard. We didn't really talk much, though. It was just it was a group scenario, and it was very nice. And at the time, I was trying to get an internship at Henson. And so he told me who to talk to, because I think at the time, I don't remember whether there were production internships available or not, but he had worked in PR for a while, so he got me in touch with a person in PR. I I couldn't afford to take the internship, which was fine. I couldn't afford to live in New York City for nothing. I just did not have those means. So I met him for the first time. And then when I came to audition in New York, which is a whole... Other thing, mm-hmm. uh, that was because of David Rudman. Um,
0: oh, my gosh. Story? No, I don't know this. Wait, David Rudman uh, got you the audition for so, the Jim Henson Company?
2: Yeah. So one of the things that I did, because I said, look, I've, I've got to figure out if I can actually do this. So one of the things I did was I created an independent study because I figured if I'm going to spend this much time doing something, I'm going to get school credit for it. And I shot a 30-minute sort of sketch comedy thing with the characters called Freeform. I enlisted all of my friends to to help me out with it. Thank God for all of them. And uh, because I got, I wrote, I wrote it? it, I wrote it. I used some songs that friends of mine wrote as well with permission. Um, but I wrote some stuff too. And Enlisted other friends to puppeteer, which talk about the blind leading the blind. I'm teaching my friends how to <laughs> puppeteer, and, but it was it was it was a lot of fun and really low rent. And I got you know, and also, in order to use um, school equipment, in order to use the studio uh, space, the multi camera studios, the small little multi camera studio space, I had to get you know, I had to be taking a course. So. That's why I did it as an independent study. And then because I did it as an independent study, it was also I could make it eligible for a college television award.
0: Which you won. Which
2: I which I won. The and-
0: National College <laughs> Emmy Award for comedy, in fact, I'm pretty yeah, sure, correct?
2: Thank you. You've done your homework. Yes. Uh, yeah. Because my the person who actually directed it, um, because because she was in the booth, you know, calling the shots, she was saying, Well, I mean, shouldn't you enter this in educational? And I'm like, it's not really an educational thing. It, I, didn't, I didn't write this to be educational. Just because it's puppets doesn't mean it's educational. Because I had some friends who had entered some things and had won on the regional level, and, you know, they got 400 bucks. I'm like, I could use 400 bucks. Maybe I can give 400 bucks. And, um, of course, at the time I won, it was during a recession, so they had just cut the prize in half, and they used to also give you film, like Eastman Kodak, like
0: oh.
1: 16
2: millimeter film and That's they nice. didn't do that that year either. No, it stinks. But, but, but at the same time, like, yeah, a thousand dollars and a plaque. Sure. Yeah. That do, was- do
0: you, so do you have your national have- college Emmy plaque?
2: Like, I have my plaque.
0: That's really like cool. I'll show it to
2: you sometimes. That's awesome. Yeah. It's, oh it's, my gosh. It's, and that, but the Emmy on it, it, it's tipped a little forward because of the room on the plaque. So uh-huh. it feels like it's just going to fall over any minute. <laughs> um, <laughs> Amazing. Uh, yes, it's very... It's thank amazing. You. I mean, the people who worked on Freeform with me, one of them works for Variety now. Several of them are sitcom writers. They're just such good people. So, several of them are you know, journalism professors, and they've gone on to do things that have nothing to do with a little puppet TV thing, and yet I couldn't mm. have done it without any of them. And actually, several of them are... Are really well-respected writers. So my friend told her boss, Northwestern PR, about this award, and I'll never forget, her boss said to her, I'm going to make your friend a star. So awesome. among some of the press that I got from it, I got one inch in the Sunday woman news section of the Chicago Tribune. So needle in a haystack. And it basically, there was only in an inch of newspaper print, there's basically room for my name, that I went to Northwestern, that I won this award, and that I think there was a quote saying I was heavily inspired by Muppets. Karen Rudman happens to see this article. Oh my gosh. And David at the time was starting to do production in Chicago and was looking for local puppeteers. So I had been sending audition tapes to Henson and getting form letters back. And one day I get this phone call. Hi, I don't know if you know uh, who I am. My name is David Rudman. I'm a Muppet performer. Well, one of the other little things about Stephanie is that one of our uh, computers, I didn't have my own computer. We had a little computer room in this dorm, and one of them had an internet connection, and we could get on to Lexis Nexus. <laughs> and which was the, okay. news, yeah, the news filing yes. uh, uh, site. And um, I searched every article about Muppets that ever was, and I compiled them into like a word document, and
0: so I'm guessing you knew who David was. <laughs> yeah, the Trib had
2: done a big feature on David, I think, the year before be- when he was doing Fingerman and um, up at Christmas Carol. Oh, so it hadn't even been a year.
0: Google Fingerman.
2: Yeah, yeah, it had been. Yeah, um, yeah, Google <laughs> Fingerman. Go-
0: yeah, Google mm-hmm.
2: Fingerman. It was a block. big thing. It was huge. It was huge. huge. It was huge. And Joey, his son, had just been born, oh and my gosh. so I, <laughs> so the first words out of my mouth are oh my gosh, I totally know who you are. You're finger man. And you did the Muppet Christmas Carol. <laughs> you work on Jansby Street. And you like, listed no, his
0: bio to him.
2: Knowing David <laughs> as I do now, yep. it is a damn miracle that he didn't just go click. <laughs> <laughs> Just leave no, me be. No, he knew. You know, and he was
0: a fan, too. And uh, He didn't Muppets know and- me
2: from jack squat, though. He could have thought I was crazy stalker girl. But, but
0: he'd this- also been in your position at I one guess. point but in his life. he was the you first
2: know. Muppet performer that I met. Like, he was the first person with any, perf- like, real performer that, that was – it was like Santa Claus calling and, you know –
0: Santa Claus is not a Muppet performer.
2: Google Santa Claus. (laughs) Um, So anyway, he arranged to come down and meet me and look at some of my stuff. I had just started shooting like a follow-up to the thing that I'd shot. I was doing more of a narrative story. And it wasn't as great, but you know what? We were having fun. I wanted to do something different and everyone wanted to do something else. And so I was showing him some of that footage. And then he told me this was like... This was probably March of 93. So he said, you know, um, Camille Benara is going to be retiring and Google Camille Benara. <laughs> and <laughs> actually the people who are listening to this don't need to Google they, Camille uh, they Benara. Know Camille. Uh, <laughs> so, um, he said they're going to have this big open call audition for women. They're looking specifically for women. And uh, I can take your stuff back to Kevin Clash and you know, if he if he thinks I can try to get you in for the callbacks, you know, so you don't have to go through the, the cattle call. You the can general come for the call, call, you yeah, can come on in. come for the callbacks only. And I'm like, oh, okay, never been to New York before. So I, 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 I get invited to come to this audition, callbacks only. So I don't have any money. I take the train from Chicago to New York. It's a 20-hour train ride. I stay at the youth hostel on 109th in Amsterdam, because it was twenty five a day, and I think sheet rental was three dollars a day. I could barely afford that.
0: You took a twenty hour train, train ride, ride,
2: yeah. And from I, Chicago yeah. to New York, yeah. Stayed
0: at a youth hostel on 109th in yeah. Amsterdam, Amsterdam. Yeah.
2: The 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 callbacks or the auditions were happening it was a Wednesday and Thursday at, the, at a dance center on like West 80th Street. So that was why that, that location was appealing. I Xeroxed a New York City subway map from the Northwestern Library. It's, it's just What insane. did you think? You're,
0: you're in New York City. You've never... I mean, Chicago's not small.
2: No, and at least I had taken the L and was used to public transportation. That's something I never would have been able to do if I'd just come from Pittsburgh. I would have been a yes. total rube. At least yeah. I knew. And very like, overwhelmed, I'm sure. It's, yeah. Yeah, so I studied that map and knew like, okay, I just have to go from here to here, no problem, fine. I So I had let Craig know that I was co- Oh my God, this is still the tangent about Craig. <laughs>
0: <laughs> That's all right. We, You know, look, we're, we started I with Craig, then we kind people, of deviated off into yeah. to David, and now we're kind of... These worlds are starting to collide here. Right,
2: but I had, so I had... So I had let Craig know by letter that I was going to be coming to town for this audition, and he called we arranged to meet uh he showed me the offices we had dinner we were up talking for a very long time and wait a second yeah so this is in all in this so you went insane. to dinner
0: yeah. w- but but was it was there are like oh that like no this not guy. yet he Nothing. was just like
2: no no it was like oh this is a really nice person this is okay. a like just that friend. was the that was the first time i'm like because we'd never had anyone on once. I'm like, it's a really nice person. No wonder everyone I know thinks he's such a good guy.
0: Because he's a great guy. Because he's a great guy. Exactly. Okay.
2: So cut to Thursday, and, you know, they keep whittling down this group, and I keep making all these cuts, and Thursday's supposed to be the last day of the audition. They're like, so can you all come back tomorrow? I'm like, ah okay so Good. i'm calling amtrak and changing that ticket and i'm calling my work you know people work study and saying can you cover me here and calling one of my professors and then friday
0: happens and they say who, who so- is at the audition by the way or, or at the who is at this um, cattle call that so that maybe we would know now kevin, uh, on both sides of the table
2: so kevin clash was definitely there jim right. martin was there
0: Jim uh, Martin. A yeah. lot.
2: Um, I think those were the only people who were running it. And then but the other people that I met who were also auditioning, um, Heather Ash. Yes. Um, Alice Denine. Yes. Lisa Buckley. Yes. Marilyn Sokol. Oh. They were trying, really? they were they kept trying to utilize her
0: yeah, to see brilliant if performance she, could transition. skills and see if
2: she could yeah. Renee Rochelle. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Yeah. She was working at the company, and they're like, "Hey, she's funny,
0: yeah, bring her in.
2: I think they brought in Donnie Reardon as well. was the only okay. guy oh, uh Allison Mork, Annie Peterley. you remember her from the movie uh, among Grouchland. She was in yeah. Georgia yep, I think that's it
0: I mean that's a that's a lot that's of a
2: lot of people
0: people, a lot of performers, and they're all there Friday or this is just throughout that week. Those people were were those, there.
2: those were the people that eventually. I remember by Friday definitely being in that core.
0: And what did you do in this, in, in this audition this, situation? Like, All did you the do, stuff
2: th- we do, the walking everything. and the, although we were trying, then what Kevin started doing is having us in a group doing more focused things, you know, the ball on the stick. He also, by the last the, day. But just explain,
0: maybe explain the ball oh, on a stick, just so people that are listening to this may just, you know, be doing stuff.
2: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Own. So he would put a little ping pong ball on a stick and put it in the frame and we would all have to focus our eyes on it. And then he would move it around and we would have to track where this ball is and bring it closer to camera and farther away from camera. And we It's would a great have to just exercise keep,
0: for eye focus. Yeah,
2: and, keep and making not those only, adjustments. Would you, do it,
0: would you do it as yourself or with a group, you know, We alone? did it in a group.
2: We did so it, that you're that, all
0: working together yep. to try to have the same eye, same focus, eye which focus, can be hard.
2: Well, it's hard because depending on where you are in the frame, you're going to have a different eye focus if you're on the edge of the frame than the person that's in the center of the frame that's because right. of your perspective to where that ball on the stick is.
0: Yeah, it's a great exercise.
2: Yeah, and then he was also eventually doing a, uh, like, uh, singing We Are All Earthlings and splitting up parts and doing choreography and doing a group so number. it was
0: like some heavy-duty... Yeah see if you could get through this stuff.
2: Yeah, and then bringing in, we had to bring in a song to lip sync to. um, How how did
0: you feel about doing all this?
2: Well, it was exciting, but it was really stressful because, and I still feel this way. When I came and helped do that workshop a couple of years ago with you and Marty and Peter, it's, it's like having war flashbacks because what I hated about the way those workshops are, and they're called workshops, but they're auditions, is the feeling that I instantly got of, oh, this is about seeing who can make Kevin laugh. Mm. And when you're put on the spot to come up with material right away, I recognized it a little then, but I recognize it a lot more now. It's, it's not the most effective way to get an entire sense of someone's... Um, Spectrum of performance because you right. have to be able to know how to play the quiet, non-funny moments. You have Absolutely. to be able to know how to play something subtle. You have to be able to know how to play something that's not funny. That's more, it's much harder Absolutely. than to just be able to sit up there and just go whack 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 you know? And, <laughs> and make the room laugh. And make the room laugh. Um, but yeah. I did feel like, oh, the people who are getting attention are making him laugh. Oh, the people who are, oh, the you know, that pressure that you put on yourself. So, so yeah. You're,
0: you're discovering that you have to be funny to be mm-hmm. noticed. And mm-hmm. the, the reality is, as you've said, is that there is a whole gamut of emotion that is just as valid, if not more valid, yeah. than the funny part.
2: Absolutely. <laughs> right? Absolutely. Yeah. The, makes sense. I sense. I wish that some of the auditions, what I really wish that there had been was a script. If there had been a script... Wow, that would have been amazing because then you yeah. could really just focus on character right. and puppeteering and not I feel like you had to waste a whole part of your brain writing. Yes. When you really should have just been focusing on technique.
0: I got it. Yeah. And that so was, was a, that was
2: my frustration.
0: But you got through it. I got through it. You did sing a song. You were gonna say that you had you all had to bring a song in. What Lip-synched. song did you bring in? Yeah, well, sing a song. What did yeah, you bring? Yeah, and here in? the
2: funny thing about that is I had He'd said, "Bring it tomorrow. We're gonna do it." We didn't do it, and then the next day I didn't bring it. And he's like, "We're gonna do it today." So at lunch, I took a cab. And at this point, now we're at the carriage house on E 67th Street. I take a cab at lunch from E 67th Street to the hostel on West 109th Street. I barely make it back in time with my little tape. But I did. Betty Everett's, "You're no good." So it was a good, it was a really good song to lip sync to because then Kevin put on Elmo and was playing around, you know, as I'm singing and I'm singing it to him. And yeah, I really wish that tape existed somewhere. Yeah. But I remember putting on old fraggles that were toast, like background fraggles. And I realize now those fraggles were probably only, they were less than 10 years old. Wow. I know. It the, seemed the at the time
0: uh, doesn't just doesn't last. And
2: know? I remember doing one of the characters that I did um in college was this, the the character that I actually still have the puppet of. He was a duck named Norman and he sort of sounded like this. And I started yeah. doing this voice with one of the puppets and Jim Martin said, "No male voices. We have enough men." But and I'm like <laughs> uh, oh. okay. I'm like <laughs> Okay, uh, so right. I'm just going to be a girl. <laughs> <sighs> so anyway, yeah, I remember like thinking, oh boy,'m I, I, I'm, I'm being thrown into the water. I mean, I felt like I held my own.
0: Oh, clearly um, you did.
2: Yeah, but you, you didn't know because then at the end, oh, so, it's Friday. Okay. And at the end of it, they say, no. so on Can you come Monday, back Monday? Oh, our no. brand new Sesame Street producers, Michael Lohman, is going to be here on Monday. We know a lot. There was a girl there from Ireland. Like, I know oh. we know a lot of you have traveled a long way. Can you come back on Monday?
0: Oh, my gosh.
2: Yeah. So I call Craig because I knew that he'd be the only person who would understand what this was. I mean, everyone else in my life was like, yeah, it's a hobby. Right. So the first thing he asked me is, "Do you need a place to stay for the weekend?" And I knew so many people who, again, thought so highly of him that this was not a lecherous proposal. No, no. like I knew that it was a safe offer. Yes, of course. So yeah, so he let me stay with him. He said, "I have some writing to do, but you can watch Laserdiscs.
0: discs." Oh, that shaman <laughs> man. I know. So I love that's that
2: guy. how that part of our that was the beginning of that. Did you guys just
0: sit around and watch laser discs together all night, or something? Um,
2: or? I we he he did do some writing, and I did watch some laser. But we did watch some laser discs. Yes, yes, that's yes. Nice. We we sat and watched some laser discs, which was fantastic. By the,
0: okay, by the end of this, that time staying with Craig, and I'm not trying to push you. Just tell me. Look, I come back, back off, Vogel. from
2: the audition, and before I leave, that's when he smooches me. What? He smooched me. And oh he was so gosh. nervous too, because I wasn't. I wasn't going in there expecting anything more than like I. But I'm like, this is a really nice guy. Like, you know, there was a vibe, and so the smooch was not unwelcome. But he was nervous right. about it because he's like, I didn't. Why I almost didn't kiss you because I thought it would make you nervous. And well, it's yeah. a good thing that he did. It's a good thing that he did. Yeah, so that was the Uh, beginning of that.
0: I love it. Uh, Stephanie, hang on. And for those of you listening, uh, we're going to talk about Avenue Q and Sesame Street here in a minute and and a whole lot more about puppets. But before that, we're going to ask a puppeteer about not puppets. Ask
1: a puppeteer about not puppets.
0: Okay. Uh, On today's installment of Ask a Puppeteer About Not Puppets, we are talking with Martin P. Robinson. Marty What's your idea of a perfect day?
1: Perfect day, uh, uh, not getting up with an alarm, getting up, waking Mm -hmm. up when I, when I, when I wake up, uh, having my wife there beside me, um, being able to, to linger in bed for a while, uh, just, just talking, shooting the breeze, uh... Getting up, making coffee, having a muffin, stretching, working out, uh, and then doing s- s- uh, you know something uh, f- something really physical, and then something really creative, and then snuggling up with my wife, maybe my kids, watching a movie. And eating pistachio nuts and a at a smoothie, a fruit smoothie. That's a perfect day right there.
0: What more could you ask for?
1: Ask the puppeteer about
0: my puppets. We are back with our interview with Stephanie DeBruzzo. Okay, here's a question I'll ask. Yeah. So, where did we first meet?
2: It was at did a we workshop. We meet at a workshop? I think we did. When it was it one of Jane's? Remember when Jane mm. used to have those workshops at the oh. carriage house? Or was it that improv I was workshop? Not.
0: I was, I think, at an improv workshop at he, a dance studio.
2: Yes, I remember with that with
0: Camille, I think. Yes,
2: I remember that, but I feel like I knew you before that. I think the telling the truth video had to that was you were on the show before the telling the truth video. I think. I could've but I feel been. like I feel like telling the truth was definitely the first time we bonded.
0: Yes, well. And
2: For obvious reasons, yes.
0: Yeah, so there's but, this. Tell maybe we should just, just just take a second and tell this absolutely. story. sure. So w- there's this Sesame Street telling the truth video, and
2: it was it, Telly, and um, it, was it was a, a whole, Telly
0: video, right? It was A Telly
2: video, and it was Gina's daycare. So there were yes. all these kids, puppet and real kids, the daycare center.
0: Yes, and Stephanie and I were uh, on the floor, mm-hmm. uh, very in low. the back. Yes, in the back. And there were kids around us, kids standing up. So if you can imagine yeah. a child around a kindergarten, preschool mm-hmm. age, standing in front of Stephanie and I, who were on the ground,
2: sitting, and si- where their where their butt would be in uh, relationship where... to our heads,
0: <laughs> we're all very close. Mm-hmm. The the butt of the kid and our uh, heads. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And was he a particularly gassy child he was or a just one?
2: Child. <laughs> He was a flat. Yeah. I mean, and maybe it was only. Look, we might have been. We might have blown this out of proportion over the years. Somebody
0: blew something out of proportion. <laughs>
2: exactly, <laughs> but yeah, it might have only been a couple yeah. of them, um, but it was enough.
0: It, it, was, it, was, it, was, it enough was. It was. It was enough for us, for us to twenty some years later still be talking about it. Absolutely. Yeah,
2: yeah I remember because I think it was. I mean, I'd had a couple of lines on the show before, but I remember having lines and it's like, okay, I get lines on this. This is, I'm still surviving. I've made it to another round. It is like a, a it's a reality show,
0: reality show. It's like a survivor show.
2: Oh God. And, um, yeah, so I was excited to be there, but then at the same time, I think it might have been my first taste of, oh crap what did I get myself into? This is what puppetry is.
0: <laughs> You're sitting
2: on the ground with a kid yeah. farting in your face. Yeah.
0: And it is, uh,
2: it's exactly what puppetry it is. It is
0: exactly what it is.
2: And, but that's when I, because I was so new, still relatively new, this, this was 96. I remember cause I think it was right before Seuss started because I couldn't do the second day when, when what's his face was there because I was doing Seuss, um, the celebrity, uh, what's his face? The uh, Quaid. Plate. Thank you, Qu- Dennis Quaid.
0: Yeah, Dennis Quaid, right.
2: So that You had were doing to be
0: the wobulous world of Dr. Seuss. Wa- yes,
2: yeah. so that was 96. So it's, even though my first day was in 93, I was still new enough that I didn't feel like I had buddies, you know? Right. Yeah. So it was, it was nice to feel like I had a buddy in that particular moment. But oh I, I, it's so funny. I can't remember the first day we met.
0: No, I can't either. I always look to you for as kind of my uh, memory of things. I really do because I have such a terrible memory. And Mine's I don't, getting
2: worse, though, Matt. It really is. Craig's reminding really me good. of thing. yeah, certain things, but then other things. I'm like, I have no memory of that whatsoever. Craig will remind me of something. Well, you reminded me of that. You said we did that video during Grouchland. I have zero yes. memory of that. Zero. Yeah, I, gotta, I, gotta I don't remember video. it at all. Nothing. It's crazy. It's, again, so, it's one
0: of those things where, where, where you're going to look at it and you'll be like, oh, God, we're, <laughs> we're a couple of idiots.
2: Yeah, but we Why were so are we, excited. What are we doing?
0: We were just having fun. It was mean, like our first was, movie. We're just, you know, enjoying a time. It was, still it was great. still think
2: about you and the gum and the goat oh, all man. the time. It's a cautionary tale for the ages. I'll tell if the story of the gum and the goat sometime. Yeah. Make sure it's white gum and a white puppet. Yep.
0: And have somebody really quickly come in and, and help you out. Yeah. Lars did. Lars yeah. helped me. Yeah. So I'll, uh, now I think what I'm going to try to do. Oh my gosh, there's so many things I haven't even asked you about yet, Stephanie. It's
2: okay. This you has know, been nice. This is good, though. I like taking a little slice of this yeah. experience.
0: I, I do. Yeah, it's it's nice. And I mean, I I, I obviously I want to talk to you about Avenue Q because that was like that was a big part of your oh. career as your of your professional career.
2: Wow, it's a million years ago. It starts. Right? It's starting to feel more and more like it didn't exist.
0: But you were on you were in Avenue Q a
2: million years ago. A
0: million years ago. It wasn't that long ago. But then you you were also were you you've I wrote this down. Um, <laughs> I mean I'm sure most people at this point would talk to you about your Tony nomination but instead I want to ask you about your Theater World Award.
2: Aww, that meant a lot to me. <laughs> that
0: was I nice. mean, you won that along with with Johnny, with Johnny yeah. T. You both got what? What was it? A night? Was there a not? Was it a presentation? It was an
2: afternoon. It was an afternoon uh, on a show day. or below. Yeah. No, it was a Monday. It was a Monday. But it was, uh, you know, it's for people who were uh, given outstanding Broadway or off Broadway debut. So it was nice, really nice. That's really I think they cool. give it To twelve people,
0: the, and um, there's like. It's, just it's a like, little.
2: It's my only. Sta- it's it's my only award. Like I, 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 and I even said on that day, I have won two professional awards in my entire life. One of them is the Theater World Award, and the other is my Burger King Employee of the Month Award. Those are my two <laughs> only yep. professional awards,
0: and yeah, both I have a and very both nice They're
2: both. Yeah the, the the Burger King Employee of the Month is is in my office in, in our right where we do the editing, right near the Student Emmy. That's, that's an amateur cool. award. That's not a professional,
0: right? Award. I'm going to say it's still an Emmy, and that's It, it is, good but I'm enough. saying
2: it's, I was a student, I I,
0: and, and I just want to mention uh, I love your performance of "There's a Fine, Fine Line." Oh,
2: Matt, thank I you.
0: love it. It's so honest, and uh, you know, you sing it so beautiful. It's a really simple sentiment, right? Yeah, I mean, it is. It, it it's is. a very simple song, and you just bring such emotion, but just oh, vulnerable honesty to it. It's really, it's lovely. Oh, I've told you. you this before.
2: I appreciate it's, that.
0: So every once in a while it'll come up on my, uh, on my, when I'm listening to music and I'm like, oh yeah, that's a great
2: Aww, song. thank you, Matt. That's I, my pal. I, I, aw.
0: Did you always have, did you always have that song or were you like, oh, okay, I, I'll get it. One, You know, was it one of those that you were like, I know what this is?
2: Oh, I knew what it was. I knew what it was. It was just the placing it for Kate. The the, the Mm -hmm. character voice. And what's interesting is when I sing the song now not in character, sometimes I actually prefer singing the song not in character. It has a totally different meaning not in character. Right. There's only one place. There's a place online where I do sing it out of character. I think – I'm trying to think if there's still a link to it on my website. There may not be. Um, This uh, music director named Dan Pardo has a a little um, webcast, web series, where he dissects a song – and we did Fine Fine Line and yeah, I enjoy, I enjoy singing it as Stephanie telling that story is out of context is different than Kate telling right. that story in context of the play. But also Stephanie can belt it, Kate can't. That That's the weird thing about, you know, what you do, like you're such a great singer and what you can do with Floyd is very different than what you can do with the Count, which is very different than what you can do with with yeah. all of your other characters, with Deadly or, or Kermit. That's true. And I, I know that there true. are things that you do as Matt Vogel, uh, lead singer of the Mighty Weaklings, <clears throat> that you can't, that you don't get to employ
0: that people probably shouldn't do.
2: No, that's not true. I love <laughs> I, you know I'm a Weaklings fan from the beginning, I know, man. I know, I know, I Dumbo's know. lunch. <laughs> I have Dumbo's lunch. Yeah.
0: You're I one of four am people a that do. Clown <laughs> I.
2: That's such a good now
0: song. you're right. I mean, it is. It is. A, you can relate, especially to that. when you have. Yeah, absolutely. Because you're playing in this character, and this particular character accesses certain things, both uh, um, physically and yeah. emotionally as well. Yeah. That allows you to either access something or not access something, or it's accessed in a different way.
2: Yeah, it's it's interesting because when the 15th anniversary of the show was happening, there was some sort of you know Buzzfeedish kind of article like. Here are 15 versions of "Fine, Fine Line" that you should know. And the funny thing about it is, with, and I mentioned this on on Dan's uh, show as well. Um, mine's just like, yeah, this is the classic, you know, the one from the cast recording. And then all the others like, look at how fierce she is, you know. This Kate belts that note like crazy. This, and I'm, and I want to apologize and say, but that's not me singing it. That's Kate, my Kate singing it. And right. if other people decided. To break away from their Kate, or if that's how their Kate did it, that's their choice. It's not that I couldn't be fierce; it's that I had to make that choice to not be fierce in the moment for the show and in the character moment. and that thing. Right. Yeah,
0: yeah, it's yeah. A, it's like I said, it's this very vulnerable, very like
2: it's how I played her at that yes. time,
0: and it's like a very thin skin. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like it's there, the emotion is so
2: it's very close to the there. Yeah. yeah.
0: Yeah, it no, it's hard on the sleeve. So well. Oh,
2: thank you. I appreciate you saying that. Because great, I think that there are people who prefer other versions of it because, well, for a lot of reasons. I mean, look, so many of these other women who've played her over the years, they're amazing vocalists. I've never right. been the most amazing vocalist. I'll, I'll grant that.
0: You're a hell of a singer, Stephanie.
2: I, I appreciate that. But what I what I lack in some of the things that other women can do, I, I try to make up for with The honesty and the character integrity and all those things. Yeah. Um, Character first.
0: Always. Here's what I'm going to ask you, though, and this kind of helps me nicely talk about this thing because so much of what we do as actors, like in a stage production especially, you know, we we play roles that somebody else probably played before us. Mm -hmm. You created Kate.
1: You're, yeah. the You're the first. Yeah. You
0: are the mold. You're the first one to ever play her, right? And there's something, there's something about that originating that role. So now I will ask you this because you have also, uh, mm-hmm. you've taken over a character for somebody. particularly Yeah, Anne it's Brill. ironic
2: because Kate, especially in Internet is for Porn, is basically in the Prairie Dawn role with, mm-hmm. with Trekkie Monster. It's basically yeah. a prairie cookie bit. So my Kate, My launching off pad for Kate was Prairie. Really? Well, yeah, you can kind of hear it. It, It's old. It's old, jaded, cynical Prairie. It's Mm -hmm. in a different register, but it's there. So that's why I find it so ironic now that I'm playing Prairie. (laughs) Yeah. Because there's a similar... I mean, but then Kate is... Kate and Prairie are very different in many ways. I'm... Mostly talking about just a vocal launching pad, right? Not talking about a character launching. Not emotional. Definitely not emotional, but strictly vocal. And I I think it's fascinating that now I'm here. I am. Yeah.
0: yeah. I was going to ask: Are there any differences in creating that role from nothing, Mm -hmm. and then taking over for somebody? You know, as you did with Prairie Dawn. What's the biggest difference? That's my first question. Mm -hmm. And the second part is: What is a very important thing to you about taking over from someone?
2: Oh, well, the second question first, I mean, and obviously we all, any of us who've taken over characters feel this way is just maintaining the integrity and honoring the work of the person whose shoes we're stepping into. That's first and foremost. We, we There are people who would say, well, no, just, just, just make it your own. And I suppose to some degree we do by default, but never intentionally. I would never say, well, Fran didn't do that, but I'm going to do it. There may be a time when I'll be like, I don't know everything that Fran did with Prairie. I mean, as much as I know about Prairie, I don't know everything. I haven't seen every frame of footage that Prairie did or every appearance she did. and And I know Fran evolved with her as well over the years. So sometimes I'm just making my own best guess.
0: Yeah, I think we all do that.
2: Yeah, but I've never sat there and said, hmm, Fran would do this nah, I'm going to just do this, you know. (laughs) Right. Yeah,
0: I know exactly what you're saying. And and there is something about it that says, you know, you said Fran evolved with the Mm -hmm. character. And that is true for you as well Mm -hmm. in that character. It will start out as a certain thing, Mm -hmm. as as, – you know, you're wanting to keep the integrity of that character. And you always will. But at a certain point, like you're saying, that character will evolve naturally with you as you evolve as a human.
2: What Ryan's been able to do with Elmo has been fantastic. Because nothing he's doing isn't exactly what he should be doing, but he brings a spin to it that wasn't there before that fits and is right and still works in the mold
0: absolutely it's, it's still not, it's still valid it's still uh-huh. completely legitimate
2: it's you know what it is and i think it's what we all strive to do too it's about doing more than just an imitation because if it's we a, do if we start doing an imitation the, then there's nothing that you can't
0: and it kind of flattens the character and we, there is you no growth
2: can't improvise if no. you're just doing an imitation it's very hard
0: and trying to recall to, oh how would that... how did the performer how did he say that well, Yeah. how can I make it sound I think you almost have to forget that at a certain point and trust that you know that's,
2: I think that's the hardest thing that is, character the, is, is. is the trust.
0: Yeah. Is it takes a while. Just,
2: yeah, it, it really does, but I remember I had an old answering machine outgoing message that was prairied on saying <laughs> "Oh, you have reached Stephanie's answering machine." <laughs> we hope that the message you leave will be clean. Like, it was yeah. ridiculous. I, but lovely. Yeah. I'm That's just so a funny. nerd. But, I, I mean, you could say prescient nerd, but when I started wanting to do this, I think the only person who had ever stepped into a role was Steve. This wasn't yeah. a thing that was a thing.
0: It wasn't a thing yet.
2: So the notion of... Yeah. Or,
0: or Well, I mean, I guess you could really look at like, well, Marty took over for Jerry.
2: Yeah, I guess. Snuffy, but, I never but, really, but it like, wasn't
0: something we were really as aware of.
2: No. It, I really... No. Let's just say that it wasn't a possibility that ever entered my mind. Like, I never came into Muppets saying, maybe someday. Neither did I. It's... Never. Because why would you?
0: No, because there's and guys I'll, that do that
2: because the, cuz those guys do that. And 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 also the 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 thing you really want anyway is to create your own character. Right. I mean that's what we all really want yeah. is to is to do something original because it's easier.
0: Yes, it I mean, is.
2: And that I going back to the first part of your question, what's the biggest difference? It's a hell of a lot easier. To play a character that you've originated because you can do whatever the hell you want. Yeah,
0: you're kind of creating that roadmap within the guidelines of whatever yeah. the writing is. But it's yeah. your...
2: You make the rules.
0: It's your Yeah, you're making the rules. And so you play tons of characters on Sesame Street. You must have some favorites. You must have something that just stick out over the years that you're like, oh... Bean number three. I'm yeah. always saying that because... <laughs> no,
2: because I love saying that I played bean number... Th- I'll never forget, like the Christmas newsletter. I'm playing bean number three in an episode that airs December, <laughs> blah, blah, blah. But do you have any that you're like,
0: I'm ta- I, I, I loved playing I I loved playing character.
2: that little pink jacket. That little Elm awesome oh World jacket. Oh my gosh, I
0: love that jacket. And that I, th- jacket's so great.
2: And the best part... When she came back to the show for the Zoe's Playdate with the jacket, and you assisted me, that was the day that Craig yeah. came and shot video. So I have video oh. of you and me doing the jacket with Fran and oh Zoe, gosh. and yeah, we're oh, babies. That's cool.
0: I so love you, so that the jacket—that's jacket. a good one. I love that jacket.
2: Um, I love. I enjoyed playing Elizabeth because it was just yeah. fun to do something that was just loud, and stupid, and silly. And I loved playing Uma on Ubi. There was just something really, I loved that you got to come and play Angus with oh, yeah. us on that. That was fun.
0: All right. I, I have to I get know to you these have questions. To, oh, okay. But I have I to get you- to these questions because they're super important. I mean, I'd love to come back and I can we can talk a whole other time, but I'm going to see if I can bang these out really quickly.
2: I know.
1: Okay.
0: Oh, okay. See if you can answer these, Stephanie. These are Great. some lightning questions, or maybe they're not, maybe lightning round questions. I don't it. know. What is the hardest part about being a puppeteer?
2: As I get older, the positions you're physically in.
0: Fair enough. What's the easiest part? I agree with that. Yes. What's the easiest part be a, about being, being a, a big, puppeteer?
2: Being a big fat ham.
0: Yeah. Okay. Being I, a big fat
2: that. ham is the easiest part.
0: And what is your biggest strength as a puppeteer uh, slash performer?
2: It might be being a big fat ham.
0: Yeah, I was going to uh, say that. That, that. checks out for me. What's yeah. your biggest weakness? Do you, are you able to- weaknesses? I'm never
2: happy. I'm <laughs> never satisfied. I'm never- That could be
0: a strength, Stephanie.
2: We share that with many people as well. <laughs> we
0: do. Uh, what is one of your favorite things about being a Sesame Street Muppet performer? Oh,
2: working with all you guys. Seriously, like it's a good. It's a, I'm really lucky to get to work with such great people for so long. I know. It's yeah. a it's a luxury. Who has that, that, that
0: kind of job that you no get? One. You have this kind of longevity. Yeah. Uh, there are probably people listening who want to hear you tell them what they have to do to become a Sesame Street Muppet performer. So what what would you tell them that they need to do?
2: Go full-on, be brave, never do it halfway, never phone it in. Don't do it half-assed. Don't be puppety. Don't do what you think a puppet should do. Do something. Do it big, do it loud. Be stupid, be brave, be an idiot. You will never... Grow as a performer. You'll never be funny. You'll never land any like puppets are bigger than a human performance. There's, just, there's something heightened about them anyway. And so often I see people auditioning with they they they'll they'll be bold and funny as I'm talking as a person, and then they'll put on a puppet and they'll start going into a puppet cadence. Right. And all of a sudden they'll and it's that. No, like throw the expectation of what you think is a puppet out the window and just – there's no reason why you can't be brave with a puppet on your hand. That's absolutely right. go for it.
0: Yeah, because really, we're we're actors. Yeah. Right? We're actors. It's amazing
2: how many times we have to say that to people. Yeah, we're actors. That's the the most frustrating thing about being a puppeteer. Oh, that's
0: good. That's good too. Is how
2: many times I have to say that to people.
0: So I know that you're not just a puppeteer. You like we've talked about. You write. You edit videos. You do all sorts of things. You you create all the time, in one way or another.
2: And I can now, eat my weight in chips.
0: <laughs> <laughs> so our dear Jerry Nelson oh, yeah. once said to me, yeah. "You know, Sesame Street's great. Mm-hmm. Uh, doing Sesame Street's fantastic, but you must always have something that is yours yeah. that you create." Yeah. That comes from you, yep, so Stephanie debruzzo. <laughs> what is that thing for you?
2: That's where I have not succeeded. I think that's where I have dropped the ball. I have made small attempts to do things that are mine, you know, little things along the way, chimpy and pansy, and doing my blog and writing plays that wind up nowhere. But, you know, because the opportunities for work aren't always going to be there, I jump at the work for other people when I have the chance.
0: Of course. I mean, that makes sense. But you know what? The thing – I just want to – I have to stop you for a second because you just mentioned, like, six things that are all, like, legitimate creations of yours.
2: Right, but they're not anything that I have – it's nothing that sustains. It's nothing that's a thing. Like, it's nothing that I can – It's only a thing
0: for you, though, right? You know, like, you create – like, if you've written – a, yeah. a spec script—that's a yeah. thing that you've created, and I don't mean like it's because Jerry, like he played music and just sitting yes. around with his friends, and he just played some music, and that was that was his yeah. thing, you know. Well, that and was it's his thing. true
2: to to have something that you have some control over. That's when I that's when I started doing the blog, um, right? But then I just got burned out on that. But yeah, I think in the, in this world, it, it, it's it's a great world, it's a fun world, but it can be a really heartbreaking world too. And I think that's something that a lot of people don't understand is that. Something as lovely and wonderful as Muppets and Sesame Street can break your freaking heart. I have cried more tears over scenarios in my career at Sesame than one might expect because it's not yours, because you don't have control, because you are beholden and you are just an employee. And at some point—
0: And you are putting your heart—you're putting your heart into it. You know, you are really like— Opening yourself up. Again, yeah. when you're an actor, you got to be vulnerable. You have to be yeah. open and emotional, um, ready to accept and, yeah. and put out emotion. And-, and
2: we've talked about this. You can't help but not to. We've had this conversation before where we're like, you know what? I just I, – I can't care about this anymore. But you, you – You have to. You have to. And yeah. when you're on the floor and you're in the moment and you're trying to make it the best you can be, you are caring and you're caring yeah. too much. and. And but all we, of a sudden it becomes just personal yeah, and, it has
0: yeah. to be. It has yeah. to be even though it's somebody else's thing. Yeah. That's just because that's our nature. That's yeah. what we have to do as performers. And and that's almost reminds me, just because you're like, I don't really have that thing. I haven't that's well, where I've failed. I just want to say, like, way back when you were doing forensics.
2: Yeah.
0: And you're thinking, oh, I can't that's not me. Yeah. That that is part of, you know, who a lot of performers are. Yeah. Always thinking like uh, I, you know, I'm, I'm, I can't get to that thing. I can't mm-hmm. be that because that's not who I am. I would challenge you, Stephanie, to say that you are that. Thanks, you man. are a creator and you do amazing things. And whether it is your thing or whether it's somebody else's thing, we all put our hearts into it and we are Creating and doing that thing that Jerry told us to do. That Jerry yeah. said, you know, make sure you've got a thing that's yours and you're doing it. And, you know, I, I think any of us that we talk to and that we're going to talk to on this podcast, they're going to say the same thing. They're going to say, well, I don't know. I don't know what I've got, but they will have something.
2: That is true. Some more than others.
0: Some more than others.
2: And I think when I see the things that some other people are doing, and I'm like, how do they have? Because <laughs> I'm just sitting on the couch. Eating those chips. Yeah. <laughs> because you have to sometimes.
0: Sometimes you have to eat the chips.
2: Or you just have to take the other gigs.
0: Yeah, And that's absolutely. where
2: your mind, it just takes up way too much of your bandwidth to be able to do anything else.
0: I agree. Well, Stephanie, I thank you so much for talking with me.
2: Thank you, Matt, for having me.
0: Well, that's it. That's Below the Frame. Episode one, one show under our belts. Uh, you can connect with us online at Twitter, Instagram, Facebook. I think that's all of them. Just search for Below the Frame. Our show today was produced by me, Matt Vogel. Editing assistance by Jared Fairclough. Our theme song was written by Stephanie DeBruzzo and performed by the Mighty Weaklings. Our podcast artwork was created by Dave Holteen at DaveHoltinDesign.com. The award from our sponsor players for Arm Rods today were Austin Costello, Spencer Lott, and Kathy Kim. Thank you to them. Thanks to Stephanie DeBruzzo, Martin P. Robinson, and my son Jack for being a part of this episode, and thanks to you, the fans, for listening. I'm Matt Vogel. We'll see you next time when we go below the frame. Bye go, go, go bye.